It's not that deep. Everything love, lust and life. Sex. We talk about it so you can get better at it. We can all get better at it and maybe feel a bit happier in the process. It's not that deep. Or is it? Hello and welcome to this episode of Sex It's Not That Deep. I'm Fran and I'm here with my husband Andy and we're here with Serena Novelli talking about body confidence. Serena is a sex, love and relationship coach, best-selling author, public speaker and mum of five. She's the co-founder of multi-award winning business Love Like the Body Project and founder of the Diva Divine Academy. Hello and welcome. Hello, Hi. thank you for having me. How are you I'm doing? very excited to be here. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your work a bit. Just a sort of yes. quick overview of Serena. Okay, so I am the founder of a company called Love Low Body Project, and that's where I kind of started my journey within the realms of sex, love and relationships, um, supporting women to feel much more confident and comfortable in their skin. I have worked for about 15 years for the number one sex kind of company in the UK, um, and it became very clear to me that there is a massive taboo around the subject and it needs to be wiped out. It needs to be like, it needs to be extinct and we need to be um, shouting and sharing all about how joyful and pleasurable sex can be. So I then trained to become a sex, love and relationship specialist. And um, I work predominantly with women on their body confidence and their sexual empowerment. And then I bring couples together to teach them how to connect and how to have those conversations and become much more emotionally and physically connected with one another. Oh, we are totally on the same page. <laughs> That's absolutely what we're about to. How did you get Amazing. into this? So, yeah, so, um, well, I've got five children as she's just, you, you announced. So obviously I like sex. <laughs> um, and, um, I just wanted to, people to feel good in their skin and empowered by it. So um, I have two daughters and three sons. And I, when my older daughter was younger, um, she kind of started mimicking me and my body image hang-ups when, when I was a young mum. And I realised that I needed to stop doing that and I needed to start empowering myself because if I wasn't empowered, I couldn't empower her. So that's kind of where my journey began where I started to like dip my toes. I think that's that's something we've thought about as well. We've got two girls and it's it's really interesting when you look at them growing up and thinking, yeah, what do I want them to become? How do I show them how to become sort of well-rounded mm. people? I think um, growing up is is a really key point of your sort of sexual journey. And I think if we if we sort of muck that up, um, it's requires a lot to recover that doesn't it I know that we yeah. didn't either of us really have great education no and, and that's uh, the thing you, we just don't do we in in no. the UK especially like the the sex education is um well I, I don't even know what to call it because it it's really non-existent and it's in it's detrimental to the well-being the sexual health of um of all of us and especially the younger generation my um eldest daughter's 21 this year and she is she's just you know she'll just be herself she's not afraid to have open conversations and I think that if we had been taught how to appreciate and respect our bodies and understand the anatomy of our bodies and how things work properly though with those conversations we'd be having with our children 
that it would it would be a beautiful world right now but there's still this stigma around sex and how you show up yeah i think back to my childhood and it was you just didn't talk about it especially you know with your parents it was never a topic of conversation i don't think i even had the birds and the bees you know it was the very limited education at school to for want of a different phrase and that was it you were then left to movies and your friends to to fill in the gaps and that wasn't a great learning point really with reflection and i think we've talked about that we really want to make sure that with our kids that they we're having those conversations when they get that little bit older it's also being embarrassing doesn't it yeah i mean even now i I wouldn't want to talk to my mum about anything in the realms of sex it's where this podcast a little bit awkward but um you know it's still uncomfortable conversation even now yeah yeah you get used to it you get better at it and you do have better conversations yeah. i think yeah. uh, we've certainly learned along the line of this sort of podcast how to have better conversations around sex and i presume that's the whole crux of of what you're about is good conversations yes. and 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 this is the main reason why relationships break down is because there is there isn't that communication they don't know how to talk to each other about their their sexual desires and when you've got a busy family home or you know or you're working lots or you're you know studying and you're trying to fit in the relationship around all of these other commitments that you have it's really easy to put the relationship to the side or to think that oh it's going to be okay because they love me um and then the you know those cracks start to appear and then once those cracks appear because we can't have that open communication because we haven't learned how to do that they don't they don't get fixed they they get that yeah. gla- that gold thread that that you get that that's not been put there basically it's just bandaged up and and it looks a little bit like my six year olds had a go at fixing something <laughs> and it doesn't ever stay. It just is broken. So bringing them together and really bringing in that nice golden thread, that weaving that beautiful conversation in is paramount in keeping the relationships yeah. um, open. Even for me as a, as a, a specialist, as a coach within the industry, I still have coaching with my husband, my husband and I, will regularly have um, coaching because we have busy lives. And even though we walk the walk and we talk the talk, there are times when that disconnect can come in and it's about knowing or understanding, or this is what's happening. Let's do something about it now before it gets too broken and we can rebuild that connection again. Fix it before it's a problem kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So that was a question I was going to ask you actually was, you know, having five children, that's, that's a lot of time and a lot of a lot of commitments go in there. And did you find at any point that you, your your sexuality kind of gets subsumed into being a mum? And this is something I've sort of found yes. a bit and have had yes. to come back from. So I just yes. wondered whether and, and absolutely, especially when I was younger, because I had my first child at eighteen, um, and I was very petite, and um, I looked probably about like I was eleven or. 12 I didn't look like I was 18 so I got a lot of judgment put on me by people when they saw me with the baby that they'd ask if I was babysitting and then um comments would be made by older the older generation shall I say and that put a lot of 
pain on my sexuality on me feeling comfortable in my skin and wanting to be able to sh to share the love with my husband so there's six years gap between my eldest and my second eldest and that doesn't mean we didn't have sex for six years though. <laughs> he probably would have run but but um it was it was hard for me to want to because I, I was busy with the baby and all this newness and I wanted to prove myself to, that I am a good mum because I'm a teenager it doesn't mean that I'm gonna be I don't know, on benefits or not that there's anything wrong with that but this is the stigma that I got that oh she's a mum on benefits she's she's not working you know she, and then when I had more children I would get asked are they by the same dad um which again there's nothing wrong with if then if they were or if they weren't but that's not for other people's businesses that's up to mine and yes that's they are with question. the same dad yeah exactly um so I suffered um fitting in time to be to feel sexy but also when that time happened to feel like I was comfortable being in that because I was fearful of the judgment that was going to be made if I got pregnant again or um what my husband was thinking of me if other people were thinking that of me you you kind of felt like judgment affected your sex life then mm -hmm. and the kids yeah, yeah. That's all. it's what even harder now because I've got a 27 year old living in my house <laughs> <laughs> yeah they know what's going on don't they yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's something we found we've we've only got two kids one of which is still only three so it's it's a little bit easier to pull the wool over their eyes but <laughs> the, even for us now there's still a logistical challenge in, in trying to make that time for each other at, yeah. at a time which fits in around the kids but then also fits in with when we want to you know have sex and that it's got to fit lots of boxes before it's, it's possible yeah this is kind of where we've said does. about date night sorry um and scheduling sex like it gives you that time, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, not that we always walk that walk. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what I say to my, my clients is that, like date night is sexy, right? You, if you're yeah. scheduling it in, um, there's a plan that's, that's sexy. You know, it's, you know, it's date night, you know, it's coming. Um, I had one couple who the one, one of the partners wanted to be spontaneous and the other really just wanted to schedule it in to know that it was happening and it was really funny watching that dynamic of the two coming together and having those conversations on how they could how they could make it spontaneous but at the same time a little bit structured as well um, and I do think for families especially with young children and if you've got to get babysitters in knowing that if you can go and get a hotel or Airbnb or something like that for, for the night, even if you just do it for a few hours and, you know, you, you book a Airbnb and you stay there for four or five hours and you've got the, you have to go back home afterwards. It's still, you've got that time, right? You've, you're together and doing things that are spontaneous as well. My husband bought me um, a scratch book. Have you seen those scratch books on like, Instagram and that where you scratch off what you're going to do for the date so we got one of those and um yeah we had we're having lots of fun playing playing those games <laughs> I think that's the thing over time as well isn't it adding new things to keep it interesting as well yeah I think falling into a rut is also quite a, a sort of putting a blockage on things for people you know you just yeah and I think it's off. very yeah if you're having like vanilla sex as well because you're too scared to talk openly about, um, you know, your desires or your wants, or you're thinking that maybe that I've got a kink and, it, and it's going to freak my partner out. Um, 
it's gonna you're gonna be um stopping yourself from experiencing that full pleasure that you you so desire because you're not actually going to be in your body enjoying the experience because you're going to be thinking oh I wish I could do this or um you know I, I could be I could be here doing that now but I want to do it with my partner so if you can have those open conversations with your partner and feel safe in doing that then you get to try out all different things yeah we've both tried that and Rebecca as well has talked about that in her relationship that that she had very very vanilla sort of experiences and and then just having better conversations led led Mm. to being able to try things because I think it's having the opportunity to talk about it is really important and you know in your line of work you've you naturally have that opportunity to to have those conversations and since we've started doing the podcast just between you know we're talking to a microphone but ultimately we're also talking to each other and we'll we'll think about things what the other one said whilst we're recording sometimes and, and talk about it afterwards so that conversation's open to us but I think for a lot of people especially you know within your peer groups and your friendship groups there's no very little conversation amongst men around sex and I think then yeah. that inhibits it when you're being your partner as well it just isn't a natural conversation topic yeah so possibly also just being different people you know having different views you're just worried about how that view is going to be received by someone else yeah yeah, I think that that can be, um, you're worried about that judgment of how, how you're going to come across. I was sat on the train on on Wednesday this week with a friend that I hadn't seen for months. Um, and she said, I'm so glad that you came to this event and that I got to sit with you. She said, because like we've just had the best conversations. We were sitting on the train on the way home and we were talking about uh, Yoni casting and mirror gazing. And we were like literally having these conversations. And because it's so natural to me to like speak about these things, I was just, you know, like chatting away and, and she doesn't mind. She chatting away. And then all of a sudden it just dawned on me that I was on a train and there might be people that don't want to hit this conversation. And I didn't know whether to stop or to continue so I kind of like lowered my voice a little bit um and we did get a few like giggles like as people were coming off the train like where they could obviously they were hearing our conversation but you know they're gonna go home mate I hope they go home and they they say to their partners or or whatever oh there's these people on the train talking about this and it opens that conversation up for them at home yeah I think sparking those conversations is just as important isn't it Mm-hmm. If, if people can laugh laugh about something with a partner and that sparks a conversation then that, that's fine in itself isn't it yeah absolutely do you think the l- things that you've learned have um have really sort of sort of gone into your your sexual life and and enhanced it everything that you've learned yeah so i i've and learned how- like the tantric philosophy and how to bring in um the the, the breath work and 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 the, like the kundalini awakening and all of the all of the goodness of that as well so i've learned how to nurture that into the sexual experience that we're having as well and it is so very powerful when you are fully conscious of the unconscious and and become open to receiving that that highest pleasure that you could possibly reach in that moment in so i think for me it's definitely changed the way that I approach my relationship with my husband. How does that work? The tantric sexuality? There's so a beta oh, method, is it? 
so so yes my light just went out sorry <laughs> it's like really it's like no lights off you can't talk about it anymore serena <laughs> no it's fine <laughs> um so um so with with regards to the vita uh, method it's the vita method is a mix of neurobiology and of the the tantric philosophy so we're using mind body so we we will when i'm with my clients we have to get past the the stigma the traumas the 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 conditioning that's happened over time before we can get to the really good bits so we we start to work with the sensations and the emotions within the body and then once we've done that and we're starting to open up space we will then start to bring in um the delicious opening the the breath work the breathing in the pleasure and and coming from the, the yoni moving up all the way through the body so that you can have like proper like sex magic orgasms where like you are harnessing the energy of the pleasure throughout your chakras and and you're like kind of breathing it up and through your body um, and then when you get to the crown of your head you will then that will be when like the moment of climax um where like it releases and then we allow for it to rain back down on us so that we're soaking in all of that goodness and that juiciness that's occurred. Um, but there's never any, you know, the end deal is climax. The end deal is to have this orgasm. It's about the pleasure. So it doesn't matter what the pleasure feels or looks like for you as long as you've got to that highest state and your whole body is vibrating at that that level of pleasure. Um, and I think for us, again, in the Western society, especially is we're so used to watching porn and, and TV, like you said before, that um, we have perceived what sex looks like or should look like in a certain way. And if we're not doing it that way, if, or if we're not, you know, looking all sexy and hot and all like like the showers running down us or whatever, we feel that like we're not having sex right and so we can't fully enjoy it um and we have this this we perceive this image of an orgasm to be a certain way because of how it's perceived on on tv but when you can learn how how your body receives pleasure um how your body desires touch and and how your body um kind of lights up and and you can have that amazing awakening or that kundalini awakening within you um yeah, it's. Oh, sorry, I'm talking. I'm talking stuff now. I don't know if I've gone way past the question. No, it's so what it's I kind do. of. Um, um, so it's kind of free the mind and the body follows, sort of thing. So, um, so, so that. Yeah, to kind of free it from all that um, sort of junk that we build up those those preconceptions and those those unhelpful boxes. Um, yeah. So you can release your body for its sort of full potential for pleasure, really. Yeah, and then That's an amazing thought. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then with the couples, we do a lot of talking first because communication is the most important thing, right? Communication is key in all areas of life, um, and so we do lots of that to start off with, and then we move into like really spending time with each other and it not being a rushed experience and, and not having that pressure to make somebody come or orgasm or, or whatever. And it just being that we're here together, we're experiencing pleasure together. Um, 
and that's how couples become more uh, connected in that way that emotional connectness what do you find they struggle with the most in couples uh, it's the it's the communication yeah it's yeah. the communication 100 yeah, percent um, bang on about this all the time yeah <laughs> and and it's 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 funny because we can talk like right we can talk but we don't ever talk about things that actually mean anything we just talk about I don't know the TV what's happening on on I don't I don't watch normal TV but what what's happening on things like EastEnders or Coronation Street or something like that we can have massive conversations in-depth conversations about the lives of these fictional characters but we can't openly talk about our own feelings, our own mental health, our own wants, needs and desires. Um, so that is the key element for me. So when you first sort of started to learn about this and understand it, was your husband, was he on board from the beginning or did you have to coax him along with that journey? No, he doesn't ever stop me from doing what I what I want to do. He's, he's always, he's always uh, like a, a cheerleader. So I also... Um, <laughs> through my my training and my process like throughout lockdown um so I obviously have to do everything that we that, that I teach so my husband and I have had to do um certain practices with a with a coach and and we continue with our work with the coaches but I did this practice where I was moving up a ladder of, like, you know, in your mind, you're moving up and, you, and you're feeling into your body of how this feels when you get to a certain place. Um, and I had this vision of being a burlesque dancer, of like literally being liberated on stage. And so I went um, to my husband. I said, I've got to search some burlesque stuff. I've, I've had this vision. I need to do some burlesque dancing. And I found a, a school that I like the look of. I went to a hen party um, a couple of months later to one of my friend's hen parties. And I was talking to a lady there, that was, which was her sister. Um, and she was very open about talking about like the same kind of stuff. So we were having this really lovely conversation. And I said to her, I've just applied to go to a burlesque school in London. I'm very excited for it. She asked me what the name of the school was. And I told her and it was her school. So I mean, so it was like I had this awakening. My friend was getting married. I went to her hen party. Her sister was there and it was her sister's school. So I did um, some training there and I've been performing on the burlesque scene in London. And my husband comes and sits and cheers me on while I <laughs> take off my clothes and, and do a little dance on stage. So, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I also, I mean, I, I have a pole upstairs in our in our warehouse where we work and I do pole dancing, although um, at the minute, largely I do a lot of falling off the pole at the minute. <laughs> I'm not as fit as I used to be No, I'm not 15 good. years ago. I'm not good on a pole. <laughs> I can't get up. It hurts your feet. So like, once that pain starts hurting on my feet, I'm like, no, I can't do it. My daughter can get all the way to the top and all sorts. Um, but yeah, I couldn't do the pole dancing. So good for you. It's hard work. Yeah, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I keep watching these videos and showing them to Andy and going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And he's like, really? And I'm like, no, not anymore. <laughs> no, this is pre-children. Post-children body can't quite manage that yet. It will get back there with practice. It will. <laughs> and that's a body confidence thing as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are so many body confidence issues that are out there now. Do you think that, um, where do you think they come from? I mean, we, we talked about porn, for instance. Yeah. Definitely so wrong. yeah, definitely. There's porn and there's um if you think about all of the different like 
cultural like if you've been brought up a certain way you're believing that you have to look and be a certain size your grandparents my grandparents were terrible um at like talking about people and how they looked and for me to get this picture of how I should be and then I grew up um as a teen in the early 90s um so I'm telling my age now but so I grew up with people like Kate Moss being like the person who you you should look like and she was stick thin I don't know how what what size she was but um that aspiration to be like that isn't healthy and so I think we're kind of the children are kind of lucky nowadays that there's lots of um celebrities or influencers trying to change the narrative on the body image um but sometimes I feel like it needs to come it's not always giving the right message. So there needs to be a consistent message out there. Um, but yeah, it definitely comes. And especially if you've had children, right? Your body changes shape and yeah. all of a sudden you don't feel, yeah, we completely, and just Andy, just so that you know, <laughs> this is my, this is my feminism coming in. <laughs> right. But as it. women, Oh, we, we are. So I am Serena, right? And then I become a mum and I became a mum at 18. That identity of me being Serena got left on the doorstep somewhere. And I can't yeah. ever be that person that I was then ever again, because I will always be mum, right? I'll always be this person. And with how society has changed that, um, you know, and how they talk about how women especially like should look a certain way, be a certain way. And we're, we're literally starving ourselves, um, doing fad diets, trying to exercise. We, we, we're basically running ourselves into the ground to try and conform to a certain image that we should look like to please our partners, because that's what we've been fed is what needs to be, or to be able to, you know have a decent job or to go to certain places you should be this size and so we need our partners and I know the same thing happens to you guys you you are you and you become dad and you get left that but we need you to lift us up that's what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. but then I, it's not just that though because Andy tells me all the time what that he thinks I'm beautiful and sexy and things but it's harder to hear that or that I don't hear it as well from, from him. him yeah exactly you kind of do from society do you yeah but that's that's just life isn't it you yeah you, you'll take on board the words of a stranger <laughs> more than you would that of the person closest to you yeah you it, do. it resonates more I, for some silly reason i think that's because we feel like the people that love us are just going to tell us what we want to hear like just to make us happy yeah. um but those open conversations yeah. that helps right then you're going back into that mum box that really I think that really does damage your sexuality who you are mm -hmm. and you sort of have to come back to who you are sexually mm -hmm. from becoming a mum yeah definitely and I think that's a really long journey yeah Can I just ask when you said you've you've worked with couples do you have you ever identified situations where the the guy in the relationship is having body confidence issues is that something you've encountered much? yeah yeah men have it too for sure and I think so I did um a photo shoot last week with one of my client couples and um the first thing that the the, the man said to me was I'm not because I showed some images of like how I was because I wanted to 
show my work and how how my work kind of takes you on that journey so I looked for certain images to show them like this is the kind of thing that we'll be doing so that they weren't freaking out thinking oh my goodness she's going to get us naked and take one of these these images um and I was showing him some images that stock images that I could find and he said to me my body doesn't look like that just so that you know my body doesn't look like that and I said, I didn't ever think that it did. That's just, they're the only images that I can find over social media to portray the image that I want us to portray. Our images are real. You're a real couple that have gone through this journey. Um, and they got in Vogue magazine on Friday. So last week. Wow. So yeah. Wow, that's wow, amazing. That's really cool. So they do, I definitely. know that we as a couple, we had, we, I think we had shared body confidence issues. So we, we've talked about it on the podcast before. We, um, not all that regularly, but we go to sex clubs every now and then. And the first time we ever went was probably delayed several years because we were both in this mindset of, oh, we need to get fitter. We need to look better before we go. Yeah. And nothing massively changed in that respect until the point we're like, fuck it, let's just go. And I know we were both anxious, weren't we? And the first time we went around getting naked in front of potentially lots of people, um, we found that we were quite comfortable with that actually fairly quickly. But um, I know we, we definitely had a sort of as, as a couple, we shared crisis about that, didn't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I, I know think... you've mentioned before about maybe we should do a photo shoot and I'm still yeah. not keen on that idea, but I'll come around to it. <laughs> I think you should. It's empowering. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, the, that's the thing. Getting past those issues really does, it changes a lot of things in your relationship, doesn't it? It makes everything so much better just having that bringing that confidence to it mm. and if you can bring that confidence into the bedroom that you can have much better relationships and much more fulfilling sex at the end of it yeah and i think the key message with the body confidence is we're doing it for ourselves not for the other person and when we can truly mm. accept all of us and all of what we are um bumps and all you know mummy tummies everything if we can accept those pieces as they are in the present moment for what they are then we are empowered with our bodies it's and, and that can change from day to day right it's never going to stay the same one day we can feel really good the next day we might not feel so great but if we can learn why that's happening and we can learn to accept those things that's what radical self-love is. It's not about striving to be the perfect size 10 and, you know, the glossy hair and all of, all of that. It's about showing up how you are. Like I'm on here today with no makeup on and that doesn't bother me. 10 years ago, that would have bothered me. I would have been paranoid about coming live, messing up and not having my makeup on and making myself look like I was, I don't know, not worthy of the, the work that I do. But now... I just show up and, you know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I know that I'm confident in my work. I'm happy in my own skin and I like myself. I know my husband loves me for who I am and that's all that matters. Can, Sorry. I was going to say, so what would be the top things that you would suggest then for somebody who thinks their partner may be having body confidence issues? What are the main things they can do to help with that? that healing and that helping them feel better about themselves. So I think that if you are, if you think that they are and you haven't had the conversation, it's about maybe, you know, having a conversation around body. 
there's this really beautiful practice, right? And you could do this practice. So fears, loves and desires. So you sit together and you listen. You don't talk over each other because we want to be actively listening and really holding that space for our partners. And you can ask your partner, what is it that you what is it that you desire? And your partner can say whatever comes to their minds. It can be about sex. It can be about the house. It can be about absolutely anything. So if you're wanting it to be around their, their, their body image and feeling comfortable in their skin, you can kind of, you know, as you're answering your, yourself, you can kind of put it that way to them. So it gives them ideas of what to speak. Then you ask, you swap, you swap. So your partner will ask the same question. And then you ask, what is it that you, you fear? And if it's around body image, it might be, I fear I'm not good enough. I fear I'm not going to fit in. And you just sit and you just listen and you let them speak. And then the last one is, what do you love about me? And it's the most beautiful thing because you've asked the questions, what do you, what do you? And then when you're asking, what do you love about me? Um, you're then telling the person what you love about them. So you can open up like, you know, I love your smile. I love your personality. I love the way you are with the children. And it kind of shows that actually our body image isn't what's important at all. What we look like yeah. necessarily isn't the most important thing. And it just opens up this beautiful space for you to honour each other and to really listen. I think maybe if you add on the end as well, uh, what do you love about yourself? Yeah, well, you can ask. To sort of but we won't be so easy at answering own. that question. No, we won't no, but once, so you've, once you've... No, that's what I mean. So that once you've heard it from someone else, think about it and think, well, actually, yeah, is I that do. what I think as well? Yeah, I know? do like my arms. Can I, I, can like... I embody that? Yeah. And my, my yeah. one of my friends, when we do uh, workshops together, she gets um, she gets the people that are there to draw two stick men on the paper. And she starts with, I want you to write all of the amazing qualities about like the person you love the most. It could be your daughter, it could be your sister, it could be your mom, it could be a friend, whatever. And they will literally fill the page full of all of these amazing things about this person. Um, and then she'll say, now I want you to do the same for you. And people just go, oh, um, what should I put? And they get a few things, but you have to really start to think about it. Um, what is it? Go deep in and really think about it. And if you close your eyes and if you feel into your body as you're speaking it, you will feel where the fear is within you, where the conditioning is setting. And you'll be able to do that in a work because you'll know exactly where to come back to each time you feel that feeling. You'll know what it is. That's a really cool idea. I've never tried that. No, I think that's really We should try that. We should definitely try that. Um, so you, you were saying about, um, body confidence, I was just thinking about compassion in your body as well. Cause obviously you were saying about changing, especially for me, two children and five for you, body does change a lot. And just thinking about compassion for your body, yeah. um, and bringing that into the bedroom as well. Yeah. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people do struggle with post children, especially, mm -hmm. but generally as you get older, do your body changes and. And you, it's not just acceptance, it's learning to love the new bits. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it, right? You think about your mummy tummy, like we all moan about the stretch marks and, and the wobbly bits that it's created. But without them pieces being there, we wouldn't have our children. They have, it's kept our children safe 
and nurtured inside of us until we were ready to birth them and our bodies are amazing like we get to create life um, we literally hold and nurture life until it's ready to be born into the world and if we can look at our bodies in that way and the miracle that they they are um then you know what's there not to love about the stretch marks and the, the wobbly bits but they can still be sexy as well oh yeah that's the other thing I, isn't it i know from my perspective you know i can remember back to not long after we'd had our first kid and you were you said about oh, i'm really self-conscious about my tummy and stretch marks and that and i remember saying to you then and this is true now as it was then that i what i see when i see that is that what it represents like you said serena it it nurtured that child. It kept it safe when it was growing to, to the point of being ready to be born. And I really appreciate what it represents. And it's no less beautiful now than your tummy was before kids. Mm. And I, I can't speak for other men. I, I don't know. I, I speak for myself, though. It's definitely how I always saw it, even without you saying anything about it. It was what it represented was, was beautiful and is one of the reasons why I love you. Sorry, that's a bit mushy, it? I'm mushy. Just being that's okay. I'm used to it. I could sit and just listen to the two of you going on for hours. It's my job. <laughs> it's also reconciling that with sexiness as well, though, isn't it? Because you think, oh, well, that's not sexy. But actually, in a way, it's like you're, you're, a, you're a woman being mm. fully a woman in every way. Mm. And that in itself is powerful and sexy. Yeah. I think confidence is one of the sexiest things, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you're confident in your body, regardless of what it looks like, that's a turn on for anyone else in the room. Yeah, I agree. And if you think about, if you're going back to like society and how we're conditioned, if you were brought up in an indigenous society, you know, where there's no TV, where they literally are all supporting and looking after each other, where maybe they're not wearing any clothes and they're all painted and they're all just community. And once you've had a baby and you give birth, everybody looks after that baby in the community. There's no, none of those people have body image issues because they are just loved unconditionally by every single person within their community, within their, their, their place. Um, it's only because we are fed all of these different images of how we should or and how we should be acting. And I was trying to say this to my my 13 year old in the car. She likes anime. She was we were going somewhere yesterday and she was dressed up in her in her clothes. And she said she wanted to do some babysitting, but nobody would let her babysit the children. And I said, it's probably because of how you dress, Layla. And she said, mum, that's not very nice. And I said, no, it's not. And I said, no, I don't care how you dress or how you show up in the world. I said, but some people conform to how society works in a certain way. And to get a job, we're taught we have to look and act a certain way. We have to show up in an interview dressed smart in a suit we can't go there with our tattoos showing or our pierces showing or our hair colored um you can't have really short hair you can't wear like the mini skirts you can't wear the trousers you can't do this we have been taught we have to be a certain way to get something so people are looking for that when they're looking for somebody to look after their children you somebody to to you know run a shop or, or whatever and she said well i'll just get myself a job working in an anime shop and i said well there you go you know exactly where you want to go <laughs> she's only 13 bless her but that is the thing it's a girl after my own heart you you do have to conform sometimes right to be able to get places and, yeah. and we shouldn't have to do that we shouldn't have to conform we i don't do. think but we do 
Yeah. Yeah. And bless yeah. her. I mean, obviously, I'm tattooed and blue-haired, so yeah. oh. I usually wear very flamboyant things. So I'm very much on that vibe of I don't want to fit into these boxes. But I've had things where people have said to me, I got told off once I was learning to be a teacher, and I used to wear a shirt and tie, and I got told off that I shouldn't, be allowed, shouldn't wear a shirt and tie as a woman because it's sexy. Mm. And I was like, but I'm just wearing smart clothes mm. at work. How is yeah. how is and I I didn't really sort of think of it in a feminist way, but not, but actually coming back to it, I was like, how is what I am perceiving as something that everyone wears? You know, it's it's a smart thing to yeah. wear. How is that a sexy thing for you? Yeah. How is that my problem? Yeah. You yeah know. Someone else has chosen to sexualize it, haven't they? Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt and tie. Yeah, and he's wearing you a shirt and tie too. In that, yeah, exactly. It was a man, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and and weird, isn't it? And that will be his own perception of how you look in that moment, right? It's his yeah. his it's his opinion. It's it's his it's his stuff he needs to work on, not yours. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't but it? But we but yeah, we get that. And I said to her, if there's a if there's a young girl, she's doing all of her studies, she's dressed nice, and she goes and she says she can babysit. She might sit there on the phone to her boyfriend all night long and completely ignore them children. But you've got four, you know, four siblings and and other children within the household of the time. You're really good with children. You'd be there. You'd be sat with them. You'd be doing things. But because of the way you're dressed, they're likely to go with the other person because they think the other person's going to look after the children better. So if you want some yeah. child to do some um, looking after the babysitting, then you're going to need to wear some trousers and stuff when you go and see these parents and not go dressed in your wigs and and your holy tights but this is another one of those things isn't it again going back to the bedroom as well that this is where we've we've these boxes have been created and because we don't hear about other people living outside of those boxes Mm. we don't think it's possible to live outside those boxes Mm. yeah whereas People exist in social media and stuff who look different and do different things. So you know that exists. But we just don't know that in the sexual arena because we don't hear it spoken about. No. And and the crazy thing is, is and I know why why it's done, but we can't even have the open conversations around sex or speak about sex over social media because we get banned, we get blocked, we get shadow banned every time we yeah. try and have those conversations. Yeah. And I get that, you know, it's safeguard, it's a safeguarding thing. Um but when they're educational um, conversations, then they should be allowed. Um, but I guess they can't monitor that so well. So how do we yeah. how do we get this conversation out there? How do we get these you know youngsters understanding their bodies? If if a child knows what they are in their body, how they are in their body, what pleasure feels like in their body from, you know, when when you're in your secondary school, when you're starting to experiment um, and, they're, and they're able to go and have those conversations with a parent and, and their friends and actually have those open-ended conversations and be told the truth about things instead of being told stories to try and scare them, there'd be less um teenage pregnancies there would be less stis there would be less um you know being drugged or raped or things like that because they would be very conscious of how and where you know how to express themselves in certain situations i think there'd be better relationships as well mm-hmm. because you're more fully with the other person yeah they would be boundaries because would be you set, know right? what you want yeah 
Well, not just boundaries, but you can be more fully with them yeah. because you know how how to be with them to the best of your pleasure, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because I, I think back to when I was 18, I still hadn't, because we were in a much more repressed time back then, I was not fully aware of, from a sexuality point of view, where I was at and what I enjoyed and what I wanted to do. Mm. And also aware of what the person I was with wanted to do and what they would enjoy. Yeah. And I think that, now i think that it, there's an opportunity you, you mentioned social media there is a real opportunity for people from a younger age to be properly tuned into that and to be able to hit the ground running from you know when they first become sexually aware they can hit the ground running and really enjoy their sex life you've talked before fan about how the first few years of your sexual your sex life was not Rubbish, great at all to be honest and it's the same for me as well it it, it take took years to learn to sort of catch up on everything you haven't learned through your adolescence. Mm. It takes a long time to catch up on that. Yeah. Just imagine if we can take that away, that time of mm. of just not having amazing sex and if we can just take all that rubbish time away and you just start at a better place. Yeah. How much further you would go. people could go from there. Yeah. And how how much more of a positive place that would be. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> I think um <laughs> You know, the the age when you should start having these conversations, and, and I, I mean age appropriate, so like, don't look shocked or anything, is around four, four to five years old. Right? You know, when a child is starting to become curious about their own body and they start to ask about like what their pieces are or, or you know, they, they might like point to something and ask what it is. Instead of using, I don't know, names like, fluffied up names about our body parts our anatomy we should be telling them exactly what their parts are by naming them like correctly so that they yeah. understand what they are and obviously age appropriate from there just opening up those conversations if they ask about something being honest being open if you don't know something researching it together um and just finding out like together and that way yeah at four or five years old they're not embarrassed about their body are they they're quite like their no, bodies well, we, and... our three-year-old actually a nursery they they do this at nursery with our three-year-old and um, she comes home and goes actually daddy it's a gyna doesn't she oh bless her <laughs> so we, we said something about her bits and she went no it's a gyna yeah because they will <laughs> they will probably have taught her the correct the yeah. correct word if... and it's good yeah i don't think I, I don't think i got taught that until the end of primary school which is a ridiculous age yeah to know the proper words for things yeah and that's ridiculously and, late and age. still some people yeah. even in their like 40s and 50s have no idea about their anatomy i've posted before a picture of the clitoris like the full clitoris with the bulbs and and, and the legs and people have come back with you know curious to know who knows what this this it pictures of and they've come back with some mind-blowing answers and i'm just like flabbergasted and don't know what to say because they should know we should know what our pieces are yeah and how to make them work more effectively for us us as well mm -hmm. i think there's a yes. lot of people deriving poor levels of pleasure from just lack of knowledge yeah yeah we talked about society now have you found or do you still find resistance you know when you tell people what you do do you still find people put the brick wall up as soon as you say yes what it is you work at yeah absolutely do you view it as judgment 
Um, do you used to view it as judgment? Do you view it now? I feel, I feel, I feel they're not judging me. I, I feel that it's their own insecurities. I, I do yeah. networking um and i <laughs> i said the wrong thing yesterday oh my oh my goodness this was this is hilarious right so we i, I ended up in a room full of men and they, it was like six men and me and they go around and you know they're telling each other what they do and they all had like sounded really important all of the things that they were doing and it got to me um and i said oh i'm sorry I, i've got a little one in the background i had children's tv on i had cocomelon on in the background so I, was, I just need to turn this off um so that you don't sing all of these nursery rhymes so i've got five kids i'm used to juggling balls and then i realized what i said and then i was like oh um so um i'm serena <laughs> And I'm a sex, love and relationship coach. And they just burst out laughing because I just said I was good at juggling balls. Um, and then I was just like, I oh, don't no, Now I've just like completely ruined my intro and I don't know what to say anymore. Um, so I'm just, but they were laughing. They were they were in hysterics. Um, and they said that I was the most memorable person that they, they'd met for the whole day, which is really good. But it, it was in a jokey way. But usually they're they're very shocked and and it goes very quiet and i have to then try and have a conversation with them like from somewhere without really knowing where to take it um i usually warm them up and get past it so it's it's okay but um yeah people just don't like it they just want to it's like i'm holding a dirty magazine all of a sudden and and they've spied over my shoulder and seen what i'm looking at um and they've gone oh and they and they run away <laughs> But this is like coming from the other end. When you were younger, you're saying about feeling judged, but now you feel like it's a talent. Mm. And that just shows how you've changed mm. and how that's changed your approach to doing things. Mm. And that how that, that's now a positive thing. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll get through this and I'll teach you sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, we'll have fun. It's fun, a, right? It shows you walking your walk, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who, like, who could you, you can't go to anybody really and ask them if they don't, nobody doesn't enjoy sex. Like it's a natural part of our 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 existence. Yeah. We wouldn't be here without it, right? Everybody enjoys pleasure, and so why is it such a taboo? I'm getting really dark yeah. here, aren't I? Because my light went out. I'm just like a, a white face. In a, can you see me? Just about, just about. I mean, well, at least we've got the episode title sorted now. Serena Novelli juggling balls. Love it. <laughs> Honest to God, Perfect, it was the most hilarious it? thing. Most hilarious. <laughs> so if anyone listening is interested in, in working with you, where can they find more information, Serena? So at the moment, my website is being rejiggled, so it's not working. Um, however, you can come and find me over on Instagram and you can just search Serena Novelli. Um, you'll know which one it is because it's the one that looks the most raunchy, I think, out of the Serena Novelli. So, um, yeah, come and find me um, there or you can search me um, on LinkedIn and on Facebook using the same name. And I'll lead you into where to go after that with whatever it is that you're looking for. Brilliant. And... Uh... Anything uh, exciting upcoming in the, the next few months? Yes, so we've got a book coming out, a sex, love and relationship book, which is a co-collaboration of women and men telling their real life stories um, of, of their journeys, their own personal journeys. And um, we have some experts writing as well. So there'll be lots of hints and tips on how you can get past certain things. Um, and that's going to be coming out 
May time. We're just in the, we're just getting started with that, but I know it's going to be juicy. I've already done books before and I know how amazing they can be. So great way to. Sounds right up our street, doesn't it? Yeah. It's exactly the kind of thing. I mean, we're very open about our, our, the, our sex and, and where it's led us. Yeah. And what we've learned about it as well. And I think with this is why I'm doing this book is it's, I think people will pick up a book and read it because they feel like it's like they can hide that away, right? They don't have to tell anybody. They can learn from reading the the, the writing rather than having the conversation. So that there's this, for those people that aren't quite ready to have that open conversation, they can have a sneak peek inside our world and, and, and what it's about. Yeah, that's kind of what the podcast is about is, you know, We'll tell you our our side of things to hopefully spark you. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. It's exactly what you're saying yeah. with your book. But I think you you might have a bit more tips than we do. Oh. <laughs> it's just finding things that work for us, but we don't have all the answers. Real life. We're finding uh, along the way. I think real life experience is way more impressive than um, academic as well. I mean, I've obviously had my own experience, yeah. but... I feel that that's where people resonate is when you've had your experiences and you can share them openly. If I had never had sex and I just, you know, I could still be a sex coach, right? Because I would have, I've, I've done the work and I, and I know the stuff that I'm teaching, but I wouldn't be able to resonate with the, the clients. Whereas yeah. you on this podcast, you're together, you're having those conversations. Um, it's definitely opening up conversation. I hope it is. I really do. Yeah. That's kind of kind of my, my wish for this is that if we can get other people talking and maybe trying new things just as a result of, of talking about them mm-hmm. ourselves, then that just sort of takes the barrier away for them. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily have to have the conversation from scratch. If they're having the conversation or they're sort of a, vicariously a part of our conversation. Yes. And then and then they can come in. I think that's the point, isn't it? We're not going to change the world. You're not going to change the world, Serena, on your own. But if so many people are opening up and having that conversation, it's going to make it much more accessible. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. And the great thing about a book as well is that that, that people, it can be everywhere, you know, that everyone can can learn about it without having to be part. Yeah, exactly that. And it's like, I always say it's like a tsunami. We're we're just one little tiny wave on our own, but together we're a tsunami and we can make waves and literally make changes all over the world. I think what a thought to end on. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Serena, thank you so much for joining us. I think that's been a really enjoyable episode for me. I've really enjoyed it. So thank thank you you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. Um, to the latest episode of Sex It's Not That Deep. As usual, um, give us a follow on social media, on the usual platforms, and uh, feel free to drop us a like and a review on your podcast station as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Sex. It's not that deep.